Praise the Lord. We're just uh, glad to be um, here together today. And again, just wanted to welcome all of our guests. Hope that you feel uh, comfortable this morning. And uh, if you uh, don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We've got a couple of uh, uh, copies of the Word of God at the back there that you can use for today. We're going to turn our Bibles to John chapter 12 this morning. And uh, just wanted to also welcome some of our interstate guests. We have some guests from Queensland and Victoria. All right, but they were both families were former New South Welsh people. All right, so they're just back to the promised land. Right, <laughs> right. Well, it's good to good to have them. Uh, good to have them visiting with us today as well. Uh, I was I had dinner with uh, with my parents last night, my family, and my mum was asking who's who's the guest speaker. Do we have a special guest speaker? And then I said, Oh, mum, actually it's me. And she said, Oh, so we don't have a guest speaker. Like, what encouragement, you know. Um, John chapter 12 this morning, and we, uh, we just like to enjoy just being together, and we just want to learn from the Word of God. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of our service, we just believe the Bible. And we just believe that the Bible is relevant for us today still, and we just want to search the Scriptures uh, this morning. John chapter 12. And we'll begin reading there in verse 1, then jump through to verses 9 to 11. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Now skip down to verses 9 to 11. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you again this morning, and we want to thank you, dear God, for the your, your manifold blessings upon our lives. And we do thank you, Father, that even today as we are present here, we understand that, Lord, we are gifted this day, Lord, by you. And, Lord, we just want to thank you for the years of your faithfulness to us, even as we celebrate 23 years. It really is a testimony of your working and your faithfulness and your steadfastness in our lives. And so we want to lift your name up on high this morning. Lord, we want to learn from you as we open your word. So I pray that you'd help us to understand. Lord, I pray for your enabling, and I pray to God that each listener would just listen intently uh, to your words today. In Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name, amen. And so we read this story. The the people had come to this occasion, uh, much like we do today, but this occasion not only had a, a curiosity about Jesus, but also the people whose lives Jesus had changed and affected. You see, as you read through the, the gospel stories in, the, in, in the, the four gospels there in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you're going to see, the novel thing about Jesus was that, was that it seemed that wherever he went, he gathered a following unto himself. Amongst those that were around Jesus were some of the people that society had either outcast or forgotten about. 
There were with him uh, those that were both poor and wretched. There were with him those that were considered unclean. Uh, There were with him those that society had labeled troubled. And yet there were those with him that were religious and even quite well off. And whilst there were those who were just simply curious of Jesus and the miracles and all of the things that they had been hearing about him, there were those who were just genuinely just interested. They just wanted to see what was happening. And amongst this crowd that we read about today in in this uh, passage of Scripture, we see one that was of special interest. His name was Lazarus. And the the interesting thing about Lazarus is what we read about him in verse 1. Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. This was a time where, if you understand the context, when many people not only sought Jesus for good intentions, but also for evil purposes. There, there were some already in positions of, of power who were looking for a way to kill off Jesus. He was gaining too much of a following. He was too much of a disruption to society. And he was uh, gathering a following that in their estimation was a real threat to their own power and agenda. If you go back with me to John chapter 11, the previous chapter, we notice here what had happened in verses 47 to 57. And notice the the situation they find themselves in after the raising of Lazarus, many Jews believed. And as a result, in verse 47, then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And they were worried because they were under the, the, the rulership of the Romans that they, this was going to be such a disruption, it was going to cause their lives to be, uh, to be disrupted as well. The peace that, the relative peace that they felt under the protectorate of the Roman Empire. And so they were fearing these things, and one of them named Caiaphas being the high priest, that same year said unto them, you know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. And what predictive words that he spoke there. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. We know later on that Jesus eventually came to the cross and he died there uh, for, uh, for the sins of mankind. But you see in this situation... They were already plotting. They were fearful of the disruption that Jesus was going to be. And so for Lazarus to have Jesus in his home and to be seen dining with him, this was really a risky situation in a tumultuous environment. The ruckus that Jesus was causing was really due in some part, as we mentioned, to Lazarus. Jesus did something to Lazarus that no one could really hardly explain. Jesus not only changed Lazarus' life, in fact, He gave him his life back. Look at, look at verses 42 to 45. Chapter 11 again, and we're just sort of going back in the story. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cry, cr- cried with a loud voice. So here he is in Bethany again. He's Uh, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, had sent for Jesus, worried because Lazarus had been sick 
many days, knowing that Jesus, who, who the Bible says Jesus loved these people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, knowing that Jesus loved them, knowing that Jesus cared for them, knowing Jesus had, had the power to wrought miracles by God's, uh, by God's name and by His hand, they sent for Him, but Jesus waited until this, it seemed to them, was too late. Lazarus had already died. And so now Jesus is conveying to them, even through their grief, and you understand the shortest verse in the Bible is found in this chapter. It simply just says in verse 35, Jesus wept. He understood the situation they faced. He understood the sorrow and the sadness and the mourning that they must have felt for this dear brother who had died. And yet here He comes, knowing that what He was going to do, and He cries out at the gravesite, Lazarus, come forth. And he, notice there in verse 44, He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. And so this situation happens in, in Lazarus' life, and because of that, Notice what happens. And many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on Him. He started to gather a following. You see, it wasn't until this Jesus of Nazareth, whom the Bible says in an aside, uh, it felt like this place, Nazareth, was a place where apparently no good thing can come from. It wasn't until this Jesus of Nazareth enters the scene, it wasn't until then did the Pharisees seem like the things that they, 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 they had under control were now some things that they needed to worry about. Yet Jesus did something that was totally, really unheard of, a totally impossible. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and had Lazarus to back it up. See, it's one thing to claim that, but to have the evidence standing right there, that's a different story. This was a man who had a changed life. This was a man whose life was given back to him. And Jesus could not only claim it, he could prove it. He could show them, no, this is Lazarus. You remember him? He walked out with the grave clothes. He walked out. You remember he looked like a mummy. He just sort of waddled out and there he was. I called him out. And so he could, he could not only claim it, he could prove it. And Jesus raises this man. And, and he, you see, along with that, witnessing to that is his family his neighbors, his community. So it's no surprise that along the way, wanting to know more about Jesus, the crowd that followed also wanted to see Lazarus. They were interested. He, he, there was this curious case that they must have heard, uh, heard down the grapevine of this man that Jesus raised from the dead. And perhaps you're here today and you're invited by someone that is a follower of Christ. Today's vernacular, amongst others, we are called Christians. And perhaps your curiosity today is about Jesus Himself. Or more than likely, you're curious as to why it is the person that invited you spent so much time in church. <laughs> I know that, that some, when I was working as a university student in, in different places, they would often ask me to go somewhere on Sunday. And I would often tell them, I have church. And they would all often wonder, why? <laughs> what do you do? And maybe this, this morning, you simply just want to uh, sort of find out because of the curiosity that you might have, why do you come to church? Why are you different? 
And today, I hope to, to answer your curiosity and really get to the crux of the matter. You see, it's not the person, but the Savior of that person, Jesus Christ. You need what Jesus has to offer. You need life. And Jesus is the only one that can give it to you. And in John 10, 10, the Bible says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That was Jesus' claim. And so we're going to observe the curious case of Lazarus today and learn some lessons about us and Jesus. Firstly, I want you to note that, that Lazarus was a curious case because firstly, Lazarus, he was just a common person. If you consider Lazarus in, in, in what the Bible speaks about him, consider firstly in John chapter 11, verse 1, and really, that's where the story starts a little bit for Lazarus. And notice the first thing that the Bible says about him in John 11:1. 1, now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And I want you to know that firstly, Lazarus was just a common person. There was nothing really special or stood out about him. He was just a common person. His name, Lazarus, means this meaning, it means someone whom God has helped. And he was really mainly known as being the brother of Mary and Martha. Notice there again that the, the impetus in the verse is Mary and her sister Martha. It was their town, not Lazarus's town. It was their place, not really Lazarus's place. And he was mainly known as being the brother of Martha and Mary. And this indicates that he was a, really perhaps the youngest of the family. He, he had some affluence they were they they had a house they had a place to stay but regardless he was just really a typical person of the day in those days even in the culture being the youngest meant that really you had the least significance you were the youngest anyone the youngest here all right i have a youngest sister and, and you know she she uh, she sort of became my uh, my my pseudo brother, because I didn't have one, I had three sisters, I took her around to sports for everything. But in that day, in that day, being the youngest meant that you had the least significance. And what we're trying to gather here from this is that Lazarus was just a common or typical person. There wasn't anything about him that particularly piqued Jesus' interest. He would, what we would, he would be what we would call today the average Joe. All right, you'd pass by him down the street and maybe you'd consider yourself, and I certainly consider myself just a common person. I'm just a typical person. And notice also that Lazarus was a common person because he was really no one special, but also he lived in a common place. He lived in a town that we see here in verse 1 named Bethany, which just simply means house of dates. There was a, there was a place where there was lots of uh, palm trees and, and different things. And, and, and Bethany was really a small town about three kilometers east of Jerusalem. The village had been described by a historian as remarkably, remarkably beautiful. The perfection of retirement and repose, of seclusion and lovely peace. What this was, is it's a, it was a quaint little village. It was really nothing significant. It was one of the many townships that surrounded the main city of Jerusalem. So he was the average Joe, living in a nice place, but again, an average place. And what we're saying is this, Lazarus was relatable. You know, he could be you, 
He could be me today. He was just a common person. But then notice also, because he was a common person, that he also faced a common end. And you understand in verse 1 that this certain man named Lazarus, he was sick. He was sick. Um, he wasn't immune from the troubles of life. And, and I don't know about you, but I hate being sick. Anyone like being sick here? All right, no one's raising their hand. Okay, I'll, raise, I'll put my hand down too. I don't like it. No one likes to, to be sick. And, and we see Lazarus was sick here, but he was so sick that we note later on that he died. And what we're saying here that, that, that Lazarus was a common person. He was no one special. He lived in the average place, the typical place, a common place. But then thirdly, he also was a common person because he faced a common end. He faced a common end. He wasn't immune from the troubles of life. He was perhaps a little bit better to do, but in the grand scheme of things, he was like everyone else. But the reality is that, that what is common to us all happened to Lazarus. What's common to us all, regardless of our background, regardless of our historicity, regardless of all of the things that make up us to be us, he had something in common with all of us. He lived, and then in this story here, he died. And that's common to all of us. We have a common end. And the reality is that, that, that is what is common to us all happened to Lazarus. If you skip down in the story, look at, look at chapter 11, look at verse 11. These things said he, and after that he said unto them, so now he's speaking, this is the Lord Jesus, to, the, to his disciples, and he says to them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And what he was saying there was a euphemism that was used commonly in the Bible days of some, saying some, about someone that they had died. He, he was indicating to the disciples there that, that their friend Lazarus, he was dead. And so they go and they, they start to journey there. Look at verse 20. Now they're coming, entering into the vicinity of the village. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met Him. And Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if Thou hast been here, my brother had not died. It just confirmed what Jesus already knew. Lazarus had come to that common end that is common to us all. He died. He was now dead. In verse 33, skip there, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, now observing Mary, who, as we recall, stayed back. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, He groaned in the Spirit, and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid Him? They said unto Him, Lord, come and see. And here's the verse we referenced earlier. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And so, understand there was a grieving process already. This process had begun. They understood what death was. I think we understand this morning, and, and even though we don't like to think about it, even though we don't like to really dwell on it, even though it's not something that's pleasant to think about, it's still reality, isn't it? Death happens to us all. We're, we're, we're touched by death. We, we see on the news, uh, untimely deaths. We see around people that we know. Those kind of things happen all the world over all the time. It's a common thing. 
And what I'm saying is the thing we all have most in common other than the fact that we are living is that we will all die one day. In Hebrews 9.27, the Bible tells us, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. In James 4.14, the, the illustration, the, the word picture that the, that the Bible uses in the book of James is this, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And, and who's glad for a little bit warmer weather? I am. But you know, during the winter times, you know, the frosting that happens in the morning where the dew builds up, that's vapor. And then for many of us who have a vehicle, you turn on the, uh, the windscreen and then the air comes and then it blows it all away. It's gone. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And, and God's trying to, trying to get our attention about life. Life is short. You know, for, for young people, sometimes you can view life like you've got a long time. And, and you know, the average person is 70 or, or so years. And you might look at that and go, boy, that's a long time. But understand, it is appointed. Why is death, uh, why is death so common? It, death is common because it touches us all. But death is common also because sin is common. You might wonder, why, why is there death? Why, why is that something that we have to deal with? What, the Bible gives us that answer in Romans 5.12. The Bible tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That word sin simply is the transgression of the law. And we, that verse is really referencing Adam. Adam, the Bible tells us, was the first man. God created um, Adam and Eve. Male and female created He them. And so Adam was tasked with just one thing. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you know the story he took of that forbidden fruit. And so because of that, in, uh, Adam in his sin of disobeying God, by taking of that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Really what he did, he ushered in to this earth and to humanity the reign of death. And you and I, along with Lazarus, have the curse of death to deal with because we, are, we have sinful natures. See, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know that, that verse is referencing the glory of God is His law. And you understand that, that summarized, really, the whole law is the Ten Commandments. And if you look down that list, you'll understand that one of them says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. That means don't tell a lie. Tell the truth completely all the time. And you and I, we'd have to admit this morning that we'd broken that law at least once. <laughs> and the Bible tells us that if we offend at one point, then we've offended it all. We've broken it all. And so sin is common to all of us. Sin is common to all of us, and therefore death is common to all of us. So Lazarus, he wasn't anyone special. Uh, he was common. And so what happened to him is, was all the more curious, because really he was just a common person. His death came, and it's common to us all. And, and this, I think, made his case even more intriguing. And then notice, secondly, 
he was a curious case because he was a common person. But then secondly, he was a curious case because he was a cultural perplexity. There was just something they couldn't explain about, about what happened to Lazarus. He, they had a, he had an uncommon experience. We read the verses already. Jesus cries out, come forth. And he comes forth and he comes, he comes out of the, gr- uh, of the grave. He came from death to life. And, and obviously as we think about that, even try to, to, to logically think about that, that's an uncommon experience. Can you imagine being in that day and, and, and being in the vicinity of Bethany and thinking, hey, Bethany, that sounds familiar. I've heard that somewhere. Hey, isn't that the place where that guy, what's his name? Lazarus, that's right. I wonder if he's in. And he must have been some sort of cultural perplexity, wondering about this man whom they had heard about who had been raised from the dead. Something uncommon had happened to him. And again, even in that day, you understand Jesus didn't always raise people from the dead. There were some times where he did. At times, we understand as you read through the Gospels, he rescued them from the fate of their sin. But understand, this was next level stuff. In this sense, here we understand that whilst he was common, he was also odd. He stood out in, uh, in society. He was different. He was a man that had an uncommon experience. He was a man that, that something had happened to him. He was different. He had something happen to him that was not something you see all the time. He was one living that just four days prior was dead and you can't get any more change, you think, understand, come from coming from death to life. You can't think of any more contrasts in life than life and death. And so he had an uncommon experience. And secondly, he was a cultural perplexity because no one could explain it. See, the reason he, he was a perplexity was that he had something happen to him that no one could explain. Many even in history, many even in, in that day, posited that somehow Lazarus did not actually die. Yet when we observe the circumstance of this story, the characteristics of a, of a true death had taken place. He was sick. You know, sickness sometimes brings about death, and that's a common understanding. He was sick prior to his death. Those closest to him, the ones that were closest to him, were in a state of mourning and grief. They had no expectation that he would come back. He was buried in a tomb, buried in grave clothes. He had started a process of decay. We read that, we read that in verse 39 when, when Jesus went over there and he said to them, Take ye away the stone, uncover the grave. Their warning to them was this, um, Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> he, he's, he started the process of decay. He was wearing these grave clothes. In fact, when he came out, he was wearing what, what, what was customary of the day, the grave clothes wrapped all around him. All the evidence points that this was an actual death. This wasn't just an a, a, a allegory. This was an actual event. It was a certain man. And no one could explain it. He was different. He had been brought from a state of death to a state of life. And you know, sometimes we observe people and there's something different about them. And again, it's not, it's, as Christians, there might be something different about us. There might be something different about the person that brought you here today. And, and I was speaking to some people yesterday uh, about, 
about coming along and, and, and a lot of them would say, well, what do you do? I don't do that on that day. There's just something different. And, and Lazarus, he had a story that no one could quite believe, but no one could quite deny either. He was made alive. He was a cultural perplexity he stood at. But then lastly, here as we think about Lazarus, not only was Lazarus a cultural perplexity, not only was he a common person, but really he was a compelling pointer. You see, what was most curious about Lazarus was the fact that he was raised from the dead, but he was raised from the dead by Jesus Christ. And Lazarus was a compelling pointer, firstly, to the reality of Jesus' claims. You see, Jesus claimed many things while he was on this earth. See, the real reason Lazarus was a curiosity was because he was compelling evidence to the claims that Jesus Christ made. He was compelling evidence. Earlier, Jesus declared that he was giving life. And not just life, but life more abundant. We read that, we quoted that in John chapter 10, verse 10. Later on, Jesus made different claims. He claimed in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He declared that he was the exclusive way to God. He was the exclusive way to get to heaven. He was the exclusive way unto eternal life. Jesus claimed that. Every, every time they saw Lazarus, Jesus' claims became more validated. If this was true, if Him raising the dead was true, then Jesus' claim to being, being God must also be true. He said it earlier in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and my Father are one. He said that, that whilst I am Jesus, the Son of God, I am also the Father. I am the very God. He made that claim. And so every time people saw Lazarus, this changed person, this person brought back to life, they understood, boy, what Jesus said has some weight. <laughs> boy, that, that, that person that is standing there, that's a culture of perplexity, someone that's different, boy, he's changed. I saw him in grave clothes once, and now look at him. He's eating, dining at the table. Jesus must be true. He must be right. If this was true, if he was God, then he was also, he's also the Savior and only way to heaven. See, in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And God, the Lord Jesus declared that, that He came to be a Savior. And so Lazarus really was a compelling pointer to the reality of Jesus' claim. Secondly, he was a compelling pointer to the reality that we need Jesus. Lazarus could not save himself. Lazarus could not avoid the grave without Jesus. Lazarus could not avoid the, the appointment and the penalty of death without the intervention of a Savior named Jesus Christ. And Lazarus could not save himself. 
later at the cross when a thief charged that Jesus couldn't even save himself and then the other thief on the other side rebukes the one that made the charge and asks forgiveness. Jesus responded with this in Luke 23, 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now understand the context of that statement. Jesus was hanging on the cross. He was nigh unto death. He was ready to die. And yet he had boldness and confidence that he's going to raise himself up and he's going to be there in paradise with that other thief. You know what he was referring to? His own resurrection. And we know later on, if you know the timeline in Matthew 28, 6, three days later, some women came to anoint the body of Jesus and they come there and their angel was sitting there at the sepulcher and all he could say was this, He is not here. For He is risen as He said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And an angel declared to the women looking for Christ in the tomb that He was risen. And listen, if, if, if His claims were, were evidenced by Lazarus whom He raised from the dead and He could raise Himself from the dead, we understand then that Jesus had the power over death and further proved through Lazarus that He, he who faces death needs Jesus to avoid that death. In Romans 6.23, the Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death. The payment, the result, the, the, the penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Romans 5.19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. It's by Jesus Christ. And the reality was this, because he was, a, he was a compelling pointer. He pointed to the fact and the reality that we need Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, the, the, the reality of the reason why Jesus died on the cross, for He hath made himself, Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. You understand that as we observe Jesus' life, According to God's word and according to God's observation, Jesus was sinless. He did not sin. He knew no sin. Why? That He might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He took your place, you and I. And that brings us to our third point here. He says you're, he, was a com he was a compelling pointer, really thirdly, to an uncomfortable truth. You know, there were people in that day who didn't like that news. We read in verse 10 that they, they were trying to put Lazarus to death. Why? They, they, were, they, were, they were worried that he was so compelling. He was so convincing in his existence, in his reliving again, in his change in his life, that he would draw others to the Savior. There were some who were so bothered by him, they wanted to get rid of him. And, you know, the reason why Lazarus made them uncomfortable really are the reasons we outlined before. He validated Jesus' claims. He validated the reality of their need of Jesus. He validated the truth that their own works of their own hands can't save them. And the only way to avoid the penalty of sin was to believe on the Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, you, you might think, well, maybe I'm a better person than Lazarus. And maybe that may be so. But understand in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith and not of works. Uh, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, 
not of works, lest any man should boast. See, the thing about Lazarus, the thing about God, uh, the, the Jesus is dealing with him. It, it wasn't because he was merited to do so. It wasn't because he was extraordinary. We already know he was a common person. He, he was just a common person. It was just grace. It was just the grace that Jesus showed him. See, our works, our religiosity, all of those things that we consider good in our lives, really, they're tainted with the hands of guilt. You understand that all of us here, myself included, in my sin, we're guilty of that sin. In James 2.10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, again, notice the wording, he is guilty of all. None of us are exempt from that. We're all sinners. We've all sinned. And so he's saying it's by grace. You can't work. You can't merit your way. You being here today, I'm glad for it. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you taking the time to come. But listen, that's not going to merit you any more favor to God than, than, than taking a, a, a thousand steps up and down to, to pay your penance. It won't merit you at all. It's Jesus who is without sin. And it's Jesus who's able to save us. In Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest, speaking about Jesus, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He came down and He was made in the likeness of man. He came down and took the robe of flesh, God Himself, and then He laid down to be a perfect sacrifice for us. He, he, he was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And really, lastly, he was a compelling pointer to a simple message. And that's our message this morning. He had a simple message of, Jesus raised me from the dead. Jesus made all the difference in my life. And this morning, I'm glad that you accepted the invitation of your, of your friend, of your loved one. And we're glad we're going to celebrate throughout the day and even tonight all of the things that God has done. But we're here to say we're no one special. Maybe we impressed you a little bit this morning, but we're not special at all. We just have one simple message. We preach Christ. And, and we, we are here this morning, and, and, and I can tell you from my own testimony, from the fact that as a seven-year-old boy, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and that has made all the difference in my life. And I can tell you every, uh, all of these ones who have come along and, and from different backgrounds, but all common people, different walks of life, who have accepted Jesus as their Savior, look to Him for their eternal life. They've been changed. See, the Bible tells us that spiritually speaking, that we were dead in trespasses and sins. But because of the Lord, He quickened us to be made alive again. Understand that spiritually speaking, that, that we need the Lord Jesus Christ. And when people here were curious about Lazarus, in all reality, all he could do was point to the one that raised him from the dead. And the simple message today is this, we aren't here because we're special. We aren't here because we have this wisdom that we have somewhat obtained. No, we have but one message this morning, and that message is one name, Jesus. Today, 
today we hope you can see a difference in us as Christians. But it's not, it's not us. It's Christ. Today we hope you can come to a point of knowing that firstly you're a sinner. That secondly you're facing the penalty of death. But then thirdly you're in need of a Savior who willingly died for you. And if you would trust Him and call upon Him to be your Savior, then you have the promise of one day having eternal life in heaven with Him. See, in Romans 5, 8, the Bible tells us, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Greater love, in John 15, 13, hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. In Romans 10, 9, there's a promise given us that, thou, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And you know, I believe that as a seven-year-old boy, with childlike faith, understanding that I needed to call to Christ to be my Savior. And understand today that you have that opportunity as well. This morning, the simple message is this. Hi, we're Southland Baptist Church, and we'd like, you to, we'd like to introduce you to our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, all that happened to Lazarus was appointed to the glory of Jesus. All, all we do and all we are is due to Jesus' love to us and His glory being wrought through us. And what I'm saying this morning is none of us here are perfect. But we certainly are glad you accepted our invitation despite of that. We hope that we can point you to the one that can give you life. Like he has given us life. We are all common. We're in need of saving. The invitation is there today for you to accept Jesus to be your Savior. The Bible tells us, and I'll finish with this in 2 Corinthians 6.2. For he saith, I have, I have heard them in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I succoured thee. Behold, now, now is the accepted time. Behold, now, now is the day of salvation. And I hope that today we can introduce you a little bit more to our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope today that it will be the day where maybe you're curious about who He is. Well, you'll find out that He can be your personal Savior today. I hope that that will be the case as we head into the rest of our day. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you and we thank you, dear God, for the, Lord, just the, the joy that we have of knowing you as our Savior. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, despite the fact that we're all common in our sin, common in the penalty of death, that, Lord, you, you reached out from heaven and you willingly laid down your life on the cross to save us. We thank you, Father, that, Lord, that that's by grace. We didn't, we didn't merit your favor. We didn't, we didn't do anything special to, Lord, to, uh, Lord, to earn your, your, your mercy upon us. Lord, all of that was because of grace and not by works. So I pray that you'd help each and every one realize, Lord, the truth that is claimed today. We're going to have a time of invitation now and this is simply a time of response and we believe that as we have been given truth that we ought to respond to truth and so this morning as the piano is going to begin to play 
I want to just simply ask you, and whether you're a guest of our church today, whether you're a regular attendee, maybe you're even a member of the church, I want to ask you this question. If you were to die today, again, the Bible tells us not to boast ourselves of tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring forth. The Bible told us, as we read today, it is appointed unto man once to die. We know that death is a common end. I want to ask you this morning, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home? No one's looking around, I won't embarrass you, but maybe with an uplifted hand, I just want to pray for you, and you just like me to pray for you and say, Pastor, I'm not sure. But maybe you could show me, maybe we can speak about this today. I'm not sure, but I'd like to know, I'd like to know about Jesus. I'd like to know about how to be saved. Is there anyone this morning, just with an uplifted hand, I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out, just with an uplifted hand. Anyone at all this morning? I won't embarrass you. No one else is looking around, just between you, me, and God. Is that you this morning? I'm not sure but I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'd like to know more about how to be saved. Is there anyone this morning just with an uplifted hand? Anyone at all? I see that hand at the back. Thank you. If you could put it down. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I'll pray for you. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else? I see that hand. Thank you, sir. see that hand. Anyone else? I want to challenge you today, don't leave this place without knowing for sure that Jesus is your your Savior, that heaven is your home. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. We're just going to sing this song. And if you raise your hand, if you raise your hand, please come and see me straight after the service and we'll speak to you about knowing how you can know Jesus is your Savior. Let's all sing this song.